You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to be examining Israel's pretext for making war on Iran. And one of the most significant things that happened recently is the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, gave a PowerPoint entitled Iran Lied about nuclear weapons development. And I think his speech was challenged excellently in the Israeli paper Haritz in an analysis by Anshul Pfeffer, written on April 30th. And let me just quote a little bit from that. Quote, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu began his press conference in Tel Aviv on Monday evening at a distinct disadvantage. In his desire to credit the Iran nuclear deal, from which President Donald Trump is expected to withdraw on May 12th, he had to clear a bar set by Israel's security establishment over the last three years. That despite all he has said, the deal is not such a bad thing and actually serves to curb Iran's nuclear ambitions for the time being. Only five weeks ago, Israel Defense Forces Chief of Staff, Lieutenant General Gaddy Eisenkot told Haritz that, quote, right now the agreement with all its faults is working and is putting off realization of the Iranian nuclear vision by 10 to 15 years, unquote. Instead of dealing with the discrepancy between his stated views on the Iran deal and what most of the chiefs of the security establishment have been saying in private and occasionally in public, Netanyahu put on a great show. This includes the kind of props and visual aids that have become the hallmarks of his rhetoric since his days as Israel's ambassador to the United Nations three decades ago, unquote. So they appear to have actually figured this out quite nicely, the folks at Haritz, what's going on here. We've seen the war continue on in Syria and this push for war on Iran has continued for years. We saw this back in 2007 at the Christians United for Israel convention where John Hagee called for a preemptive military strike against Iran. And so in 2015, this agreement that was fashioned and signed by five world powers, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, has been in effect since then. And so we want to talk about this whole subject of creating another war. And we expect that this PowerPoint presentation by Netanyahu was really designed for our president's consumption to give him justification for uh, negating this treaty with Iran. One thing, if I could, that I would like to point out is don't forget General Wesley Clark's comments that he gave regarding what he encountered 
on his visit back to the um, Pentagon to visit some of his former friends there and uh, was told that there is a plan where, first of all, we're going to invade Iraq. And then later he amplified that by explaining it's worse than that. We're not just going to go in and put down Saddam Hussein. There is a plan to take down seven nations in five years. And so Iran is the toughest nut to crack, according to his way of thinking, that Iran will be last. Syria and then Iran will be last. That's really an excellent comment. And I want to point out that this should be a Christian issue because of the massive number of deaths that have taken place in our Syria wars in the Middle East. And it appears now that Wesley Clark's plan or his interpretation of what he saw as a plan is pretty close. It now is beginning to appear that the Middle East is going to eventually divide it into two nations that will control all the oil there and will dominate the Middle East. And that, of course, is uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia. So what we're getting into tonight as we look at what Benjamin Netanyahu actually said and did is the next act of war, keeping the war going against Iran. It's, It's not a movement for peace. And the issue is war from the word go. And uh, what we need is we need a lot of people to stand up in America. And we're not seeing that. Instead, we're seeing our Congress basically dodging the issue and finding ways to avoid getting involved. And we're posting an article today that is a companion article to this audio, which will discuss that issue that you can refer to. It's called May Day, May Day alert for more war. And it's called May Day because that is a defense cry, but also because all of this happened on the 1st of May, coincidentally. Back to Carol's point about Wesley Clark, he heard that actually after 911, sometime after, and I guess that was before we actually went to war against Iraq. So whatever he heard was quite prophetic, and we've seen that we have continued on with our wars in the Middle East. So we've talked about this many times, that the United States has a war-based economy. And I think if somebody were to fly in from outer space and look at the United States, they would conclude that there's actually only one party in the U.S. That would be the war party. It has a Republican side and a Democrat side. And somebody has used coined the term of imperial left being people like Hillary Clinton's of the world that are very fond of wars and that Hillary was behind to a large extent the war on Libya, which has resulted in chaos there. And we see both Republicans and Democrats clamoring for war on uh, Iran. Okay. Now, I think we need to actually address a little bit of what we've seen and heard of this revelation that Benjamin Netanyahu made, because our listeners probably are not going to have studied this as closely as the people in this room have. And uh, we have uh, all listened to Benjamin Netanyahu's presentation. I think it would be well to talk a little bit about what he really did disclose and what he didn't disclose, because if we listen to him and to his friends and to his friends in Washington, 
they're going to say that he uncovered active plans for nuclear war by the Iranian government. Is that what we heard when we watched his presentation that he made on May 1st? Yes, that was the impression that I got, that this was something really, really kind of fresh. And turns out they had actually, it was 2016, that they supposedly obtained this trove of some 100,000-plus documents. And I think it's an interesting view by a man named Scott Ritter. He was an inspector back in the 90s in Iraq. He was a former Marine Corps intelligence officer who served in the former Soviet Union implementing arms control treaties in the Persian Gulf during Operation Desert Storm and in Iraq overseeing the disarmament of WMDs. And he had this to say about Netanyahu's argument. The Israeli information challenges Iran's compliance with its obligations as set forth in uh, the JCPOA. In short, the continual question of whether Iran had ever sought to acquire a new nuclear weapon. If Iran was shown to have lied, this line of argument goes, then the president, in good faith, could report to Congress that Iran was not in compliance with Annex 1, and as such, could refuse to continue to issue a waiver regarding the lifting of economic sanctions. Legally speaking, however, the Israeli argument, along with any attempt on the part of Trump administration to rely upon the Israeli information used by Netanyahu in his presentation does not hold water. The IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agreement, in implementing, quote, the roadmap for clarification of past and present outstanding issues, unquote, had already thoroughly investigated the Ahmad project. Now, this is the alleged project that Netanyahu was referring to, to develop nuclear weapons, had thoroughly been investigated, and its alleged leader, Moshin Falkenzaden, based upon information made available from former member states, presumably including Israel, the conclusions reached by the IAEA that the Ahmad project was terminated in 2003 and that this Iranian man went on to be the head of a, another organization made up of same personnel as in that uh, Ahmad project and the same as made by Netanyahu. As Netanyahu noted, Iran denied the existence of Ahmad Project to the IAE. What Netanyahu failed to say was that Iran backed up its denial by discussing the organization structures alleged to be part of the Ahmad Project in detail with the IAEA. Moreover, the IAEA conclusion quote, that before the end of 2003, an organizational structure was in place in Iran suitable for the coordination of a range of activities relevant to the development of a nuclear explosive device indicates that it was well aware of the possibility, if not probability, that Iran was not being fully forthcoming regarding its nuclear past and yet opted to certify Iran as being compliant with the roadmap for clarification of past and present outstanding issues. Well, of course, we know the Israelis have not always been very, and they're still not truthful about their nuclear uh, capabilities. 
It's estimated they have over 200 uh, nuclear weapons. And so it's something they don't even talk about. They have not signed on to any kind of agreements as far as the use of their nuclear weapons. So they really are a rogue nation from that standpoint. Well, does anybody have any comments on uh, what Mr. Netanyahu actually proved and said in his presentation? Well, what's really interesting, Chuck, is that even CNN says nothing new came out of Netanyahu's speech. So then you have to ask the question, well, then, if he wasn't presenting anything new, why was he doing it? And obviously, it's to influence his audience of one, which is President Trump, with the uh, renegotiation of the uh, Iran nuclear deal, which has to be taken 12th of May is when this is coming due. And so Trump has to decide whether to extend the sanctions or this, that, or the other thing. So obviously, if he's not presenting anything new, then why would he do it? Well, obviously, he's trying to get influence for Trump to put the sanctions on Iran and, and so forth. Basically, he didn't present anything new. And so you've got May is a, a very volatile month. You've got May 14th is when Israel declared its independence in 1948. You have May 15th, which is the Nakba, where the 750,000 Palestinians had to flee for their lives under duress. So May is a very pivotal month right now. So you can see what Netanyahu was trying to do here with his public relations. Lots of other things that are going on, like the Israeli-American Natalie Portman, who uh, refused to go to Israel to accept an award there because of what Israel was doing in Gaza. And so you've got all these kinds of things that are swirling around. Uh, Israel has launched missiles and attacks on Syria. And so this certainly is a way to deflect off of their internal problems and uh, get the United States to do their fighting for them, just as they did in the case of Iraq back in 1991 and then again in 2003. Well, Tom, I watched through this whole 20-minute, I guess it was, presentation by Netanyahu, and what he displayed there was what he purported to be. First, he had some pictures of where they got this stuff that, of course, they could have been taken anywhere, but they did have some pictures that they claimed as how they stole it um, in, in a secret operation of some kind out of the heart of Iran. But then when he went on to his presentation that was supposed to convince us that Iran was developing the ability to do nuclear war, there was absolutely no mention of any materials of any kind. No suggestion that Iran has any nuclear materials or that it has accumulated them or that it's plans to use them. And of course, to have a weapon, you have to have materials. You have to have more than a plan. But then you got into the, what he called his proof. And in this, he, he had a bunch of concocted presentation. They were billboard type things that they'd blown up. And in each one, there was a small amount of writing in Farsi, which none of us can understand. And then a large presentation of what Israel said this said. And when you actually looked at the exhibits they presented, they looked like very sophomoric or I should say ninth grade, kind of ninth grade science class explanation of what a nuclear bomb is, a sort of the kind of presentation that's diagrammatic. There was 
nothing that looked like any scientific literature of any kind, a very little text, just a few broad statements. And uh, you get the impression that the stuff that we saw could have been taken out of almost any ninth grade science book. During his entire presentation, I saw absolutely nothing that would convince me that there was anything scientific about what he had shown us. And of course, I don't read Farsi, and he didn't read Farsi. And he pointed to uh, a few universal symbols that were in the Farsi, such as U-235. So you could find a, a reference to U-235 in any dictionary or textbook or anything you wanted to look in. Overall, it came off to me as I watched it as a totally boring and uninteresting effort to convince me that they had stolen something valuable when in fact it looked like however they had decided on these dozen or so exhibits that he actually displayed that there was really nothing there that you couldn't get just about any place. And so it's no surprise that other sources have said there's nothing new in this presentation. I, I go further than that. I would say it looked like to me there was nothing scientific in it. I just thought it was so uh, hypocritical that uh, Netanyahu was talking about Iran's program when the whole Demona thing, Mordecai Venuno exposed the whole Israeli nuclear weapons program, and it was even suggested that there were chemical weapons there as well. And so to me, this is a, definitely a case of the pot calling the kettle black. It's who's inspecting Israel's nuclear weapons and so forth, and, and how come they're not under the microscope like Iran is? That's the advantage of having that special relationship with the United States. And, you know, millions of our fellow Christians who we call Christian Zionists will take this as being gospel. Uh, it reminded me of only a little bit better of Netanyahu's performance at the UN a few years ago where he had that little bomb chart and the red line. I mean, it was pretty yeah. laughable. And it was pretty laughable, right. And I, I really believe that you guys have hit upon it. This presentation is kind of made to, to be shown to uh, American Christians who uh, don't know a thing about atomic weapons and aren't going to know a thing about it after they see this. It seems to me to be a completely contrived, juvenile presentation designed for the totally uninitiated who have no idea what they're seeing. That's true, and, and I wonder if it would make any difference if, if it was pointed out that Israel never signed that nuclear nonproliferation agreement. Yes, I think that's right, Travis. No, they're not a signatory to any of those agreements. So, you know, it's even in Israel, I think it's illegal for an Israeli to say that Israel has nuclear weapons. They can quote somebody else that says it, but it's still kind of a, a hidden secret in plain view act, even in Israel. So you're right. It is the height of hypocrisy. And the war-willing public in the United States feeds on this kind of thing. And it's their patriotic duty to get rid of evil like Iran. And of course, Iran has been vilified for so many years now. And of course, as we've pointed out so many times, America needs enemies to feed our war-based economy. And it seems that almost Israel is getting desperate here 
uh, with all these things that are going on. And again, we remind people of the book that we republished. It was written in 1990, Holocaust II, Saving Israel from Suicide by Patrick Hurley, a corporate lawyer in the publishing industry. We thought it was clever to retitle it One Nation Under Israel, but the original title really is uh, apropos today, actually, that Israel is lying on many fronts, like what we've seen with this uh, Netanyahu presentation about Iran lying, and it seems that they continue to get away with it. But fortunately, uh, incidents like this Natalie Portman incident Many more Jews, particularly young Jews, are waking up to the hypocrisy of what Israel is doing. And so this really, uh, in a way, is kind of a blessing in disguise that people are waking up. In Israel itself, most of the population is kind of like the United States. They've been conditioned to accept this. They they don't think anything about the Palestinians. They don't really care about them. Only for, except for a very small minority there in Israel. And so we've got two similar uh, civilizations here, the United States and Israel, that are on a collision course to start another war here. And if it draws in Russia, as we've claimed, why this could be very serious indeed. Well, from a Christian perspective, it's very serious anyway. We've already killed through two or three million people in the Middle East. And uh, as I started out saying, we hypothesize that the end result is going to be at least temporarily two states, Saudi Arabia and Israel, who will kind of be the kings of the hill. Uh, This is the plan. It appears to be the plan. As it seems to be shaping up, that seems to be the direction of it. And at the end of that, we don't know what happens to Saudi Arabia. And the net result of all this is the Americans end up holding the bag because the price of oil will be not just $100 a barrel, but it'll be two or $300 a barrel, and gasoline will be 10 or $12 a gallon at the pump instead of the 3 or $4 we were almost getting used to a couple of years ago. This is where we're going. This is what's going to happen, and it's only going to be changed if Christians stand up. There are not enough Jews to stand up against Israel, and they're not strong enough to stand up against Israel, even if they can see through their own government's failures and weaknesses, as we can see through ours. Uh, It's going to be up to Christians to change what happens in America, and it's going to be up to Americans to change what happens in the Middle East. It's not going to be changed by good, lovable, and friendly, and reliable Jewish people who see through the problem. So hopefully that we can cause American Christians to stand up and stand up for life. Uh, At the root of all this is the question of life or death, had enough death, it's time to stand up for life, and that's what it's going to take, in Chuck's opinion. I agree wholeheartedly, and here's kind of an interesting thought. We had an incident at our church, a former pastor, turns out was a sexual predator from back 40 years, and it's just come out, and there's accusations made and so forth, and the pastor said that, uh, you know, we were going to stand by the victims, and there were some victims uh, from our church over 20 years ago that came forward that, yes, uh, there was some truth to it. And the pastor said, we're going to stand behind the victims. But 
for my point of view, I see evangelical Christians, for the most part, have a difficult time recognizing who the victims are unless they have to be standing in front of them, like this particular case where it affects uh, the people uh, in the church. And certainly we should be thinking of victims, and we should be thinking of the victims in places like Gaza right now, where people are being killed just for nonviolent protesting, in places like Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, they go on and on. And we seem to have lost our capability of recognizing or even sympathizing with these victims because somehow it's all wrapped around patriotism and and believing that the United States is somehow the moral arbiter of the world and we have to be the policeman of the world and everything we do, therefore, should not be questioned and we need to get in step with what our government is doing. And so as followers of Christ, we need to get in step with what Jesus taught us. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.